But you were poking at me and 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 poking at me until I yelled. And I say to Michael Jackson, dude, what song are you even singing? Instead of saying, can I say something to you without you getting angry, you should just say, I am about to say something that's going to make you angry. Welcome to The Bitterest Pill. It's Dan Class. I'm in my garage. Uh, Friday, I think it's Friday, May 1st, 2015. Hello. I don't have, uh, I don't think I have a full hour to record today, which is why whenever I know I don't have enough time, to, because I like to do an hour. And whenever I know I don't have an hour, I talk faster. That makes no sense whatsoever. But, um, well, I had the, you know what it was? I had the big idea that Friday would be a good day to record. And I don't know why, because Friday's the day that uh, my son, you know, Hudson, has, uh, he doesn't start school on Fridays until 10 in the morning, essentially, right? About 10 of 10. And he gets out at 2, I know, nice life. So... I really only have a couple hours uh, at home between the time I drop him off and the time I pick him up. And also, you know, it's, his school's in Santa Monica. So there's travel time. So somehow, I don't know, I, I don't know why I got it in my head that it would be a good idea to do it today. I guess because I had nothing else really super, super pressing going on. And so I thought, oh, yeah, blah, 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 blah. and then here I am, and I'm like, oh, my God, I got to leave soon. So maybe I'll record this in a couple halves. Maybe it'll be... This half and then that half. Because tomorrow, like the rest of America, we're going to go see the Avengers. Age of Ultron or whatever it is. I don't even know the tagline. Hudson and I are going to start a podcast that we record in our car on, on the way to and from school. Uh, to school in the morning. And I don't know what it's going to be called, but all we're going to do is complain about how much they overhype superhero movies. Because I feel like, and he feels like, we've been hearing about Batman v Superman for about four years now. It's not even going to come out for another year and a half. We don't care. We don't, you know what I mean? So I'm sort of interested to see the Avengers, but I feel like we've been hearing about it since the day we walked out of the theater after seeing the Avengers first. The first Avengers. And who's going to be in it, and who's not going to be in it, and who's going to play the villain, and who's not going to play the villain, and what is a Loki, and what is the Galactic Guardians of the Galaxy is a tie-in, and this, some of this is on S.H.I.E.L.D., and some of it, Tony Stark, and blah, 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 we're just like, ah, enough. I got an idea, I, and it's, I guess it's probably not the studios, I think it's social media and fanboys just have kind of ramped this whole thing up, so you're in a, just a constant deluge of geek news. You know, I don't need to know now who the cinematographer is for Ant-Man 5. I don't need to know that now. Okay? Ant-Man hasn't even come out. Discussions on who's going to shoot Ant-Man 5, I don't care. So you got you to leave me out of it. Then tomorrow's comic book day. So we're going to go. We're going to go get a comic book or two for free. Probably buy some comic books. Then go see the Avengers. And then we may even go to an art gallery that specializes in artwork that is artwork of superheroes. 
Friend of the show Nathan Anderson has work. I think it's even sanctioned. This is weird. I think the work is even sanctioned by Marvel. Paintings that he has done of Marvel characters that might actually even be semi-mar... I don't know how that works. All I know is that the computer's already being noisy and I can hear it. So... Um... I told you about... Well, I'm trying to think of where how caught up we are. I thought I was going to have a big story for you about a dance competition recently. Because my wife had to work on the same weekend as a dance competition. Which meant she wouldn't be there. Okay, now, my daughter can survive without my wife being at the dance competition in a way... But, you know, the moms of the dancers are always the ones backstage making sure their tights are on and their makeup is on and they're not having some kind of hissy fit and they're not trying to kill each other and all that stuff. Now, you know, Dan Class, super stay-at-home dad, I am always, you know, Johnny on the spot with everything except where there's no boys allowed in the dressing room of the dance competition. You can't really even go back there, Danny. So, so needless to say, that was the cause of some, you know, concern, especially with my wife. She was all like freaked out because she wasn't going to be there. And not, again, not that she didn't think my daughter could handle it. It was just sort of like mom anxiety, separation anxiety, control freak anxiety. You know what I mean? So she's making us lists of things to do, lists of things to bring, costumes, backup costumes, schedules. Like, all right, wake up at this time. You have to eat breakfast by 6.45. Then you have to get her dressed by 7 o'clock because it's 7.07. You have to drive over to the dance studio. And then from 7.30 to 7.50, she has to warm up, stretch out, do her thing. And then from 7.50, drive in the thing. You got to get there over time and thing. Oh, my God, damn. You're going to kill me. You know, again, because sort of like, because what happens is every dance competition, in a way, is a nerve-wracking event. And the girls, like, not scream at each other, but, you know, it's just very tense around here when they're getting hair and makeup ready and all that stuff. And my wife, so then my wife, knowing she's not going to be around and knowing that I'm Mr. Casual, she's like, you got to, you know, you're going to be the only one here, Dan. So you've got to, da 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 you've got to be in control. You've got to make sure that she doesn't have a freak out. you got to make sure she's on schedule because she can't be late. And you got to make sure she's stretched out. And she's got to, and I'm like, baby, everything will be fine. Because I have a theory that 99% of the anxiety that the two of you experience before leaving the house on the days of the competition is generated by you. I have a theory that daddy being here with your schedule, everything will probably be, how dare I say, more calm than usual. So just chill out. Now, of course, you can't say all that. All you can say is don't worry. Just don't, hey, uh, 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 don't worry. Listen, she hasn't died yet under my care. It's been 12 years. I think I can handle one dance competition. One two-day dance competition 
I think we will pull through. And I don't even remember how this whole whole thing worked. But but we you know my my wife has to get up at the crack of dawn and she's gone for this shoot. They're shooting commercials, right? That's why she's not around. She's got to be in Pasadena or somewhere way before we even wake up. It's crazy. So Tulu, my daughter Tulu, you know, little Lucy. So she and I get up, we do our thing. We follow mama's schedule. We do the whole, right? My daughter's got her solo, then she's got a big break. And then I think she's got a couple of, I don't even remember the whole thing. It's so many dance numbers. She had two on Saturday, and then she had two more on Sunday. So she did her solo. It went great. She kicks ass. She's the best. She's she's the best dancer in the world. Honestly, you know what? Honestly, let's just accept now, as a group, that my daughter is the best dancer in the world. Okay, let's, I know, I know what, your daughter's very good. My daughter's the best dancer in the world. Okay? Let's just... Don't... No. No. I'm just saying. And Okay. So she does her solo, and then she did a couple other numbers. And like I say, I don't remember which ones were on which day. She got a solo number and a jazz number and a... Ta- Maybe it was just the solo on the... Th- I don't know. She did great. And she was in good spirits, and she didn't freak out, and she wasn't a nervous wreck, and she just kicked ass. And we had missed uh, the earlier dancers from the company, because she's in this dance company, right? So there's all these friends of hers and uh, that, you know, are at the competition that, you know, they've got their solos, or they're in a different number, or they're in a different group because they're a little younger, or they're in a different group because they're a little newer, or whatever it happens to be. So everybody's got all these routines. And it comes to awards time, and my daughter's studio is kicking ass. They're taking first place in the Junior Miss Jazz Character or Solo, and they get first place in the Junior Miss Junior Teen Talent, Junior Preteen Lyrical Impressionist, I don't know what it was. All that, like, just boom, boom, boom. And then they call my daughter's award, And they, you know what they did? They started 10th place. So 10th place is Jessica. And second, uh, ninth place is Brittany. And they play and set in each one. You're like, come on, baby. Don't say her name. Don't say her name. Don't say her name. Don't say her name. And they're like third place. And you're like, hey, don't say her name. Don't say her name. And second place. Second place is Tulu class. And first place is some blonde girl that you've never seen whose routine you didn't see and who you can't honestly imagine what she could have possibly done on stage for her to beat my daughter's incredibly exacting and glorious, beautiful day. How can this blonde girl that I've never seen beat my daughter? My daughter is, as I just said, the best dancer in the world. So I, you know, have to text my wife because she's in Pasadena, but she's with us. She's texting constantly. How does she do? I can't wait to hear what she did. How'd she do? So I'm like, well, you know, baby, she got second place. 
How is she? Is she okay? Is she okay? Let me talk to her. I gotta talk to her. Tell her I love her. Tell her I give her a pick. Is she freaking out? No. No, actually, she's, she's fine because she knows she did a good job and she's not freaking out. You sound like you're freaking out? No. Is, is she okay? Let me talk to her. Well, when's a good time to talk to her? Can I call her? Should I tell her to call me. So my daughter was fine. I was really proud of her because not only is she the best dancer in the world, she's also realistic enough to know that you're not going to win every time. So the next day, kind of the same thing, same schedule, get up at the crack of dawn, give her some breakfast, make sure she's in her makeup, make sure she does her hair, make sure we go to the studio, make sure she warms up, make sure, because that's how, you know, it's no coincidence that she does well and that she works hardest. <laughs> so we're there by ourselves at the dance studio, you know, hours before competition. She's stretching out. She's running her numbers. She's running her Because if I've not taught my daughter anything, it's that if she works hard, it pays off. That's been one of my biggest things because I'm so lazy. I'm so, so lazy. I get so little done that I want to do that I've drummed into both of my kids work hard and it pays off work hard and it pays off and my daughter works hard and pays off so so somehow some miscommunication and whatever I'm not blaming anyone but through some miscommunication my daughter and I ended up getting at the competition getting to the competition about two hours earlier than we needed to be so there was a lot of standing around and just sort of waiting and chewing of nails and so whatever. You know what I mean? Which was fine. But it's chaos back there and I can't go back in the dressing room. So I'm just sort of standing around kind of near the dressing room, but not directly outside the dressing room because I don't want to seem like a creep who's kind of standing outside the dressing room the whole time. That'd be a little weird to just sort of like waiting for my daughter. You know what I mean? It's just like, dude, be cool. Kind of go over there. So my daughter's big jazz number is coming up and it's a big number. It's tough. It's really a good number, but it's, it's very athletic. It's, it takes a lot of energy and stamina to, but, but it has a chance of doing well. And it's coming up, coming up or whatever. So I'm like, you know what? I, I'm going to watch because there are a couple other numbers from her company before hers. I'm going to go sit in the audience and I'm going to wait. I'll watch the other numbers. And then when it's her turn, because I, I'm just standing around backstage and I got nothing to do. I hate being somewhere where I have nothing to do. I might as well be sitting in this audience, right? So I sit in the audience and one of the other numbers goes up from her company and they do very well. They all look happy. They're all spinning and turning and smiling and they're leaping and stretching, right? But the thing with these competitions is after a while... And I don't even really know what to liken it to, but so many routines after a while, if you see a couple hundred, it, it, they're all the same, really, when you start to boil them down. And really, I mean, the costumes change, but only slightly. The hair color, the skin tone might change, but only slightly. But for the most part, right, it's really just like you come out, you spin over here, leap over here, do that dancing run thing to get to the other side of the stage, you spin. Da, da, da. And it's really, honestly, it's like listening to horrible music you hate 
while you watch people do jumping jacks. After a while, really, because no one wants to really deviate from like the normal workup. Listen, we do jumping jacks, we do push-ups. We try to impress the judges by how many times we can uh, do a backbend or whatever, and then we bow. So after a while, I'm bored. I'm bored. I'm waiting for my daughter, and I'm bored. I'm bored, and I've been up at like 5 in the morning for the last two days, and one of the dances is to some kind of weird remix of Michael Jackson singing a song that I recognize, but it's not a Michael Jackson song, and I'm just sort of bored, and I don't want to watch these boring dancers from some boring school that I've never boring heard of, and Michael Jackson is singing something like that horse with no name song? Is that's what? Is that what's happening? I've been through the desert on a horse, but it's Michael Jackson singing. And so I turn to my right, and there's Michael Jackson. And I say to Michael Jackson, dude, what song are you even singing? And he said, oh, this is a song that was popular when we were kids, and I always liked it, and I wanted to do a version of it. And I'm like, but Mike, you have so many great songs. Why are you doing a song that's by, like, America or the Eagles or something, this horse with a known name crap i remember yeah i remember hearing the song when we would drive back and forth to the mall when we were kids but really our general we should not be that into that and he's like no it's a really good song i really like it and i realize obviously i'm dead asleep i'm so dead asleep that i'm asleep enough to be having a very very specific conversation about michael jack with michael jackson about how I don't know about his song choices. And right about the time it dawns on me that he is no longer living and therefore it's absolutely impossible. However unlikely it was that I would have that conversation with Michael Jackson while he was alive, he has passed away. So the only way for me to be having this conversation with Michael Jackson is if I am absolutely out cold in the audience during the thunderstruck Dance competition in Long Beach, California. Holy cow. So I wake up. I look around. Michael Jackson, not there. And some girls are leaving the stage and everybody's clapping. And the guy comes on the microphone and goes, hey, that was uh, okay. And now number 1409. This is uh, the Jazz or Not Dance Academy from Cucamonga. With their number, Scooby-Doo, where are you? I don't know, whatever it was. And as I'm waking up, and as I'm trying to remember the song with a horse with no name, I think to myself, wait a minute, they they just said like, what? what He said something like, Scooby-Doo, I'm going backwards, Scooby-Doo, and then before there was something about Cucamonga, and something before there was like Jazzernauts, but something before there was like 1509? And this is how stupid I am. I honestly went, 1509? They must be doing them out of order. Because the last number was 1490. And to lose number, my daughter is like 1501. And he just said 1509. I wonder why 1509 is going before 1501. That's so weird. So I sit there and I watch the Scooby-Doo number from the Jazzernauts from Cucamonga, California, doing 
routine number 1509. And I think, well, they mu- there's some, some scheduling thing. They must have put 1509 way ahead of schedule because they have to do that sometimes, I guess. So I'll wait to see because I kind of lost track of what number they were on. I'm sure they're going to be in 1500 soon, then they'll be next or whatever. So like, oh, that, that was Scooby-Doo. And okay, so here is now the Super Supreme Dance Academy and Workout Factory from Bakersfield with their song, Call Me Lately, number 1510. Okay, this is not good. This, okay, oh, this, hello. Hi, how are you? This is not good. This is not good. This is not good. This cannot be happening. This cannot be happening. And honestly, it cannot be happening. Not because I'm worried that my daughter's going to be upset, although I suppose that is an issue. I don't want to have to tell my wife, who is not there, who has been riding me like a drugstore pony, For the last two, I do not want to tell her that I slept through the jazz number. So I run out of the audience. I run out of, I'm like, oh my God, I run out of the audience and I don't know where to go. I don't, I'm like, "Ah, I'm so asleep. So I run up the auditorium out into the the back way, not towards the dressing room or backstage because I'm like, "Ah, I don't want to freak out to Lou if she's about to go on. I got to go up. So I go up. And I'm looking around, and this competition has no board or anything that says who's on, right? Who's on, who's next, who just happened, whatever. But I do run into one of the dads, one of the dance dads from our school. And I'm trying to act real casual, like, hey, dude, hey, um, hey. Hey, did they, uh, did they do higher ground? Did they do the jazz number higher ground? Did they do, did I? Did, did they already do that? Because I had a Michael Jackson. Did they do that? And he's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh shit. They already, are you, sh-? and I think, I'm hoping, like, well, please be be messing with me, man. Please be, really, they did, how'd it go? Oh, it went really great. And I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. He's not, bra- he's not breaking a smile. He's not joking, and he's not getting around. He's only conveying the information that I seem to be requesting, which is information about the jazz number that I slept through. Of course, I'm getting it now, a text from Melissa, my wife, going, how's it going? How are they doing? Did they do the jazz number yet? How'd it go? Now, luckily, because I'm not a complete moron, I asked the dad, right, how did the number go? And he said it went great. So I typed to Melissa, hey, it went great. Now, I didn't feel it was required at that moment to name my sources, right, to to come clean on whether this was first or secondhand information. How was the routine? Great, according to someone else. No, there's no, I'm not, I can't, I'm not awake enough yet. I got it. I want to talk to my daughter first. I think she, right, okay. So I, I go and I can't find her and I can't find her, can't find her. Well, obviously I can't find her because she's getting dressed because she has another number, a lyrical number, whatever lyrical is. I don't even know what that means. It's just a different kind of jazz dancing. I don't know. 
but she's got a big lyrical number coming. So I don't find her. I can't find her. I can't find her. Finally, she finds me. And somehow, because I'm like, how you doing, babe? You know, I don't want to bring it up because I'm a jackass, right? So eventually she does say in that daughterly way, so did you like higher ground or whatever it is? Not even higher ground. It's Into the Groove. Into the Groove, sorry. It's a, it's a remix of a Madonna song. It's Into the Groove. It's 80s weekend. Please, God. And I say, baby, you know I love you. And you know that I... I don't know if I have mild narcolepsy or what, but listen. Your father slept through into the groove. You Okay. It's like, now I don't know where this is going. I don't know where this is going. It's a high-stress situation. Mom is not there. Don't know how this is going. I didn't want to tell her until after the last number that she had to dance, just in case. You never know. You never know. They, the girls can get themselves pretty torqued up. I'm like, ah, I slept through your number. You know what she said? Oh, daddy. And it was, I hope, I'd, la- I'd, like to, I'd like to tell myself that it was, oh, daddy, I love you. You're so silly. And not, oh, daddy, as usual, effing up again. But I'm pretty sure, because it's my daughter, it was, oh, daddy, you're so silly, I love you. Okay? Now, in all honesty, it didn't dawn on me until just now, as I'm telling you this, I never told Melissa, my wife, that I slept through that number. (laughs) I, I never actually in so many words conveyed that information honestly you know what is it her business i mean i guess it is because we're married and it's kind of it would be a lie to never it's kind of a lie by omission i suppose but you know time ticks on time ticks on they did the other dance the awards show i don't even remember how their numbers did i think they did fine but i don't even remember i gotta be honest with you i don't remember So apparently, you know, I I had completely forgotten. I have this secret that I'm keeping from my wife. It's not a major secret, but it is one of those things. Interesting. Well, early this morning, and listen, if you're a spouse, you really please listen to what I'm about to tell you and really think about it. Because I can talk to you about this in the calm of, you know, sitting here and just talking, right? And it's something that, I'm just checking the time. It's something that you would think I had conveyed to my wife, but she doesn't seem to retain certain information that pertains to not angering me. So this morning, you know, I, I get up. I get up at whatever time it is that I have to get up to get the kids up. Okay? I make their breakfasts, I make their lunches, I make their snacks, I pour them their beverages, I get water bottles ready for school, all that's, that's all me, because she has the job, right? She has the job, and she has the job she hates, and so I can't say nothing, (laughs) and I do all that stuff in the morning, and that's fine, that, I should do it, absolutely, but it does mean that I am frantically running around the kitchen every morning, making eggs, 
her way, and eggs his way, and waffles his way, and a bagel her way, and packing his lunch his way, her lunch her way, her bottle his bottle. I gotta find the bottles. Nobody brings me their god bottles. So in the morning, my daughter, well, you know what it is. It starts as a simple breakfast that I create that the kids like. Okay, and then one day my wife has a little extra headspace in a morning. And then she sa- says, well, what if we did, what if I What if I made for you what your dad makes, but I'll make it my way, and then suddenly I now have to make it her way. So what was a very simple operation is now a 30-step complicated freaking 16-course meal. Now, it's really not that bad, but so I have to, put some butter in a pan and take some Canadian bacon and brown the Canadian bacon. I have to take the Canadian bacon out of the pan, wash the pan, re-butter the pan, put egg white only egg whites in the pan, start them, dice up the Canadian bacon and put the Canadian bacon in the eggs, then try to somehow get the eggs off of the pan, flip them over. Now, they don't want to flip over because the eggs are egg whites, which are wimpy, and they're full of chunks of Canadian bacon. And this all started where it was going into a sandwich. I'm like, can't we just like cut the Canadian bacon in half? No, it has to be diced because that's how she wants it. Well, she wants it that way because you made it that way. You told her to want it that way. Oh, please. So the mistake my wife makes, and it's only a mistake from my point of view, because from her point of view, who cares? is she made the fatal uh, of starting a, a conversation with these words. Can I say something to you right now without you getting mad? Now, ladies and gentlemen, and you know who you are, you know and I know what you mean when you say that to the rest of us. When you say... Can I make, can I say something to you without you getting angry? I really, really think for the sake of all of our relationships, what you should say from now on is the truth. And the truth is this. Instead of saying, can I say something to you without you getting angry? You should just say, I am about to say something that's going to make you angry. But it doesn't matter to me whether or not you get angry because I'm going to say it anyways. You got it? Brace yourself. So she says, can I say something to you without you getting angry? And I literally say, I don't think so. And she, because it doesn't matter, it's already, listen, it's locked and loaded. The trigger is being pulled no matter what you say. The bullet is going to come out of the pistol no matter what you say. So just brace yourself. Can I say something without you getting angry? I don't think so. You know, you only need a little bit of butter for those. You really just need to brown them. Okay, I got it. And you know, you burned the butter. You really shouldn't burn the butter. Honey, I didn't mean to burn the butter, but sometimes I accidentally turn the the heat on too high. Because I'm barely, okay, now, now in my mind, that's all that needs to be said. In my mind, you have conveyed to me as the spouse a couple of things. Number one, I don't care if I piss you off at 6.30 in the morning. Number two, 
I think you're using too much uh, butter, and I'm claiming that the amount of butter you make, you use uh, on the recipe that I invented that you hate is too much butter. And three, I think you shouldn't brown the butter. And I think I have established A, apparently there's nothing I can do to stop you from making me angry. B, okay, I acknowledge that you think I use too much butter and I actually will try to reduce the amount of butter I use to brown this stupid Canadian bacon. And C, I didn't brown the butter on purpose. Okay? So, I have said... Not exactly these words, but I said it. I, you know what? I didn't mean to brown the. I accidentally, right? It's all in there. I, right? I'm admitting that I am feeling you all. I turned the heat up too high. I did not mean to brown the butter. I don't usually do that. I am now establishing that I don't do it on purpose. This should actually be the end of the conversation. But you see, it can't be the end of the conversation because the trigger has been pulled and there was a conversation. And by conversation, I mean monologue from spouse to spouse that was packed into that pistol and the pull trigger's been pulled and the whole thing has to come out whether you need to hear it or not. Well, it's just you're not supposed to brown butter. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to just heat it a little bit just to melt it. I know, hon. I know. I didn't do it. On, but but it's not supposed to be like that. And Tulu doesn't like it like that. And you shouldn't brown the butter. Baby, I'm not getting complaints from the customers. Oh, so you're just going to do it wrong? You're just going to continue to do it wrong even though you know that it's right? Okay, now, this is the part where I have to consciously make the decision. Right? Am I going to just stop talking and ignore her? Or am I going to let her succeed in making me angry so then I can get angry and then she can succeed at yelling at me in her quiet, fierce yelling voice about how I shouldn't start an argument in front of the kids? See, she's not starting an argument. She's not fighting. She's not yelling at me. She's just giving me culinary advice. She's just correcting me like I'm a five-year-old, but she's just honestly trying to correct one of the millions of things that I don't do right. I, by getting upset by the things she knew I would get upset by, I am starting an argument, and then I am getting in trouble with her for starting an argument. Because I've done it before. I fell for it just last week. I don't even remember what it was about. But the next thing I know, she's like, why do you always have to start a fight? You know, the kids, it makes them very upset. Like, baby, but you were poking at me and 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 poking at me until I yelled. See, when you say something I don't want to hear and then I say, okay, I got it. That means I got it. And everything you say after that is just bellows on the flame that is me wanting to kill you without remorse. And I love her. I love her. I, I really do. 
And I think she loves me because if she didn't love me, I would live somewhere else. But I don't understand. We have known each other. This is how long we've known each other. Right, uh, this is a stupid joke, but this is my latest joke. It's, I don't write that many jokes. This is my latest joke. My wife and I, we have been together for so long. I remember right around the time we started seeing each other, Lady Gaga uh, was born. Thank you. Good night. Tip your waitress. So I've known her, known her way longer than I have not known her. So it's not like that. But I just don't like, baby, I get it. You saw that the butter was burning. You saw that I was already reacting to the butter was burning. You said, I know this is going to make you angry. I said, you're right. So when I say probably going to make me angry, that could, 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 could actually be your cue to not make me angry, but you decide to make me angry. So by saying you're doing something wrong, then I say, yes, by accident. And see, baby, if you had to make breakfast for her and him every day at 630 in the morning, every once in a while, you would brown the butter. And of those times where you accidentally let the butter burn, most of the time you would just do what I do and throw it out and get pissed off and rinse the thing and start again. But every once in a while, honey, honestly, you just go for it because it's just to like brown up the Canadian bacon. It wasn't for her eggs. If it was for her eggs, I would throw it out. But you should know this and you probably do. But why is it because you're mistreated at work? Why are you bringing this home to me? You know, I'm an a-hole. You know that I have an angry, self-hating monologue in my brain all the time. Even when you say nice things, I get upset because you're interrupting my inner monologue of hate. But if you are interrupting my inner monologue of hate, then I'm at the very least trying to translate into some sort of stand-up material because that's my only self-defense. If while I'm making the breakfasts at 6.30 in the morning for the umpteenth time in the past 16 years, why do you have to stop with the statement, can I say anything to you right now without you? Can I? I'm going to stop what you're doing right now to make you really super angry. And I think it's, and I, this is going to be misogynistic. Maybe I'll get some hate mail because I'm starting to, th I'm just, I'm really examining the, I didn't mean to say plight, but that's the word that started to come out. A few guys, and it's more every year, but a few guys are stupid enough to become stay-at-home dads. And I really think part of the whole trouble with it is women and men are really legitimately different. And if the woman is the one going to work and the man is the one staying home, it changes that dynamic even more so in ways you don't expect. Because if I was a guy and I was getting ready for work, like my dad, my dad would, I guess in a lot of ways, do what my wife does. Although, you know, my mother made his coffee. He would come out. He would have showered and shaved. He smells of, you know, brill cream and aftershave. He'd come, he'd drink his coffee, and he would get his keys, and he'd say goodbye, and he'd drive off in his Regency 98 and go to Kodak and do whatever the hell guys in white shirts did at Kodak in the 70s and 80s, right? That's what he would do. 
Never once would my father have ever, ever looked at what my mom was doing on the stove and given her a lesson on how to prepare breakfast. But because my wife is a woman, she would dare to do that. Because she cares. She has to have it her way and it has to be right. My dad doesn't care. It wasn't his job. He knew it wasn't his job. It was not his job to oversee my mother making us breakfast. But it's my wife's job to oversee me making our kids breakfast. I guess because why? Because she has a vagina and I'm a moron? Why? Because it's my job. I don't go to her job and go, I don't know, the, the, really? That visual, but with the headline and the thing, with the running foot, it's just, I don't know. Right? That's, that's her job. I leave her alone with that. But she sees her job as her job, and she sees my job as her job, but I'm doing it. And that is the conundrum right there is me being a stay-at-home dad is doing her job no matter how liberated and modern and 21st century and hipster and whatever however we try to rationalize the whole thing right a stay-at-home dad is a guy who did not become wildly successful before his wife's biological clock started to ring a ting ting I know how to make eggs. And I know how to melt butter. And I know how to burn butter. And I know how to not burn butter. My wife doesn't know how to clock out. And if I were super evolved, and this is always seems to be the way I have to look at things. And I wonder if you feel this way all the time about everything. I need to be the one to survive who tries to see everything from someone else's point of view, right? Your your wife is texting you while you're at the dance competition because she is heartbroken that she doesn't get to be there. And it isn't really, really, I'm hoping, I, maybe I'm kidding myself in thinking this, it isn't really that she thinks I'm going to screw up, it's that she knows she's not there. And it's breaking her heart. And again, maybe I'm just telling myself this part to freaking survive. Because a huge part of me wants to get through this life with my family intact. And so maybe one of the things that you have to tell yourself is deep down she's getting on me about the butter and whatever else because she'd rather be doing it and not drinking coffee in anticipation of going to an office that is not our home with our kids.
And maybe that's a huge part of just being an adult, you know, is letting stuff like that go. And you get, I, listen, though, I, I, I am at the point where I'm like, yeah, but when, so are people doing that for me and I just don't see it? I mean, maybe they are. Maybe they are all day long understanding where I'm coming from, looking at things from my point of view. Sometimes maybe it's just burnt butter. Thanks for listening. That is so not what I thought I was going to talk about today. I was next time. Try to. I got to remember next time. This time I thought I thought I was going to talk about the garden hose today. Instead, we talked a lot about the kit, the, the the butter. But you know what? Whatever. So next time, garden hose. Okay. Try to remind me to talk about the garden and the garden hose. Because we put in a garden. It's wonderful. It's a garden, and we put in pavers, and we have a new hose. It's wonderful. But it's never going to be done. It's just, it's never going to be done. It's never going to be good enough. And I don't care. Because I didn't care about it even before it was here. I don't care. I want to be left alone. I want to just go, I want to watch superhero movies with my son. I do. I want to binge watch Daredevil on Netflix and then go see superhero I want to be left alone. I don't want to worry about butter and gardens. But I really have to stop talking to you. I'm sorry. I have to go. My son is expecting me. I think he'll live if I'm a little bit late. But thanks for listening to The Bitterest Pill. I am The Bitterest, and I am quite a pill. So, uh, this was uh, number 330. Made possible by a generous grant from my stalled acting career. And of course, the people that uh, help support the show on Patreon. Thank you, Grant Pachoco. Grant actually was smart enough to take the time to find out and then email me the proper pronunciation of Patreon. Patreon. Where you can go to Patreon and commit to donating a certain tiny little bit of money or whatever it is. It's up to you. To the show per episode. So it's not per month. It's not a one-time deal. It's per episode. So every time, let's say you... you um, what are, They don't really call it do, uh, donate. What do they call it? Oh, man, I forget. Gosh. But anyway, whatever. So the, the Bitterest Bill is made possible by uh, contributors, generous contributors, like um, Tom Carell, David Chase, Tatiana, Kilimanina. Never going to get that right. Chris Class, Scott Mercer... Flores from, where are you from, Flores? Belgium or somewhere cool? I don't know, Flores is like reinventing radio technology in Belgium or something, I don't know. And then, of course, new contributor, uh, Michael Rail. Michael the first at the $20 level, which in uh, six months, uh, $20 level contributors get a limited edition Bitterest Pill t-shirt that I will have to design in the future. <laughs> 
Unless you want the one that's already exists. But anyway, so that's that. Pretty sure you can just go to patreon.com slash class to uh, check the whole thing out and see what the hell I'm even talking about. But again, thank you for listening. Thank you to everyone that contributes through Patreon. Thank you for all of you who ever tell anyone about the show. And uh, yeah. So next time, the Garden Hose. Uh, yeah. Let's see. There's always got to be a disaster to keep the pill going. And, uh, you know, yeah, there's always enough disasters. Trust me. All right. I'll thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Pill is produced by Jacket Media, makers of fine podcasts since 2004. That's 